to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. Join me now, won't you, as we sit together on a park bench. It's not a park bench. <laughs> it's my friend Lou. He's on all fours looking for his contact. But while he's there, let's sit on him a little bit and rest. He doesn't mind. He says it feels good for his back. It actually helps his back. Now just don't lean back because he doesn't have a, a proper back. And, uh, and we will be moving very slowly. Still nice to sit. I'm running around the block in the rain. How is this lucid dreaming? How is this lucid dreaming? I took a course and how to direct my dreams. They said I could learn how to fall asleep and then when I dreamed, I could be in control so that I could live out my fantasies. If I wanted to be an astronaut, all I do is dream myself as an astronaut. Now granted, it's not the same thing as being an astronaut because it takes all the surprises out of it because it's limited to what I think an astronaut is. So I would just be imagining myself as one and probably my spaceship, since I don't know anything about astronaut rockets, would look like a cardboard box. And that maybe is something that I don't need to be asleep to experience. So this, this I don't know. I did not sign up for running in the rain. Now, it's not my favorite thing to do. It feels like just one of those ordinary dreams in which you think, I am dreaming. How unpleasant. And yet I can't wake up. I try screaming. I could probably really scream here. This feels like one of those dreams where you get away with quite a bit. But I don't want to be wet. I do feel wet. Now that's amazing. Now that's the lucid part. I don't mind that. I feel soaking wet, but I'm not necessarily cold. I could be. You know, you read about people that, uh, oh, I'm, I was wet in bed and then I dreamt I was walking in the rain, but it wasn't. It was just my urine. But you think this can't be that, I don't think. Either that or somehow I've gotten it to precipitate onto my head. That's not my imagination. This is a dream. Now I can tell it is because of the colors. I have used colors in my dream palette that don't exist in the real world. Like some of it is day glow, I think. I feel like everything is being lit by black light and that is not normal. I don't believe that there are any cities who have street lamps that are black lights. And all their businesses and all their billboards are black light posters. So at night, it's really quite intriguing. And that, what is that place? That doesn't exist, Spencerville or something. It doesn't exist in real life. But in dreams, oh, in dreams, the places we can go, and the places that have signs on them that say, beware, this is going to be mentally taxing. I don't want it to be one of those where I wake up and I'm exhausted from all the conflict or all the fear or something. I have been in wars, mainly in converted motels, in many, many a dream. But here we go, oh, I found a door. And it's a supermarket. Oh, what do I need? Oh, it's a nightmare because I don't remember my list. That's never a nightmare. I don't care. I don't really have any nightmares that involve the supermarket. So maybe this is one of those wonderful lucid dreams where I can get anything I need or want at this supermarket without using any money. So I'm just going to say I own it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hardee's with some sort of either an exclamation point afterwards or a pound sign or I don't know, but something unique. It's not just Hardee's. It's a little symbol that makes us say it with more enthusiasm. Are you finding everything that you need today? I would say to people. Are you finding our prices reasonable? Because I think a little of them are high. Hello, friends. Welcome to the first ever grocery store cabaret. Now, doesn't that sound like a good idea? Not particularly. A grocery store 
cabaret. I'm usually not in the mood for that kind of thing when I'm grocery shopping. Yeah, but don't you see? You'd just be there, and you'd be pushing your cart along, and then you'd get to one of the aisles, and it would be a stage, and there would be a variety of things on the stage. Maybe somebody be juggling samples. Oh. No. Imagine yourself alone in a hotel convention room, one of those large rooms that you rent out for your high school prom or some kind of meeting, and this was some kind of meeting. It was a workshop, it was a seminar to learn how to control your dreams. Something I've always dreamed about wanting to control because who doesn't want to relax? Imagine themselves, let's say, in a beautiful, peaceful spot in the middle of a lake. And then, oh, Jesus, oh, oh, for God's sakes. What was that, hunters? All right, well, I thought I was floating in a canoe in the middle of a lake, relaxing and looking at the sky, but now I'm terrified. First of all, I don't know if a duck is gonna fall on me. And that duck might represent the entire sky because there is a story called The Sky's Fallen, The Sky's Fallen by a little duck. And the little duck would say that, and they would say, no duck, you must go away now and be banished and live alone. And the duck did, and this is the basis for the TV show Grizzly Adams, which we all saw as children. Now, Grizzly Adams was a TV show in the 1970s starring, at the time we did not know, cocaine addict Dan Haggerty. And he looked just regular alert, but I suppose he's on drugs. And he would wear animal pelts, and it was taken off on being some mountain man. I don't know, I barely, barely, barely remember this. He lived in a cabin and up in the mountains by himself. So he was a, one of those solitary colonists. Is it okay to kill them? It's not clear. But he doesn't belong there in his land. But he's come there to kill animals and take their skin and fur and everything and then pass that on and trade it for, again, I don't remember, I guess cocaine. It's not clear to me. It was called Grizzly Adams. And uh, I guess he was killing bears, which, you know, is not something that it's touted. It used to be touted, so I killed a bear and everything. And then it got to be like, ooh, I killed an elephant. Why did you do that? So. Years ago, it'd be like, I murdered a bunch of children. Oh, that's not, that's, that's not in anymore. Well, what is it? What, what can you kill? Well, here's the thing. Uh, you can kill anything you want, but don't. Um, and I explained about bringing suffering and everything like that. And whoever I was speaking to began to understand. And the wind began to blow harder. And we were, we were frightened. We said, where is this place? And we knew we were dreaming because we had lost our identities completely. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who to tell people I was. We were all alone and beginning all over again. Can you hear me, my friends? Yes, I can hear you vaguely in the distance. I need you. I'm calling out, not from the wilderness, but right from the middle of things. And I'm invisible like Kirk was when he was moving the wrong speed in the wrong enterprise. I can see you, but you can't see me. I'm but a bzzz in the air. And you are solitary statues, barely moving. And I weave between you. And I will be gone soon because I'm living my life too quickly. Oh, I wish I could slow down like my frozen shipmates on the Enterprise. And he delivered this speech right in front of us, right in the wilderness, with the wind blowing just like that, all of us alone, none of us knowing whether we were going to survive. And he was giving this speech, and he was referencing these shows and everything, and I thought, surely this is my dream, because my brain works like this. The only world I have, the only context I have, are all my memories. And they are unreliable, and they are fragments. Everything I do and think is a collage. Everything. Life is a collage. All your memories are. They're not the thing. They're not photographs. They're cut up pieces of photograph. 
Your dreams, they aren't complete, and yet they're the most complete thing in your perception, aren't they? Because they needn't be. You can wake up and say, well, I was just at the beach, and then go looking for details in your memory, and there might not be any. They'll just be the idea beach, and you say, how could that be? How can I just feel a thing into existence? Mm. How are you doing it now? Well, you're giving me some clues orally. What? But soundily. Soundily? Oral. Oral? Oral. Oral. Oh, you know what I'm saying. You're being purposely obtuse. With sound. I'm speaking to myself. I would never yell at you. Oh my goodness, I didn't mean to scare you. I've done that. I was trying to teach a young person to drive not long ago, and I did not realize that the volume of my... what... what it had reached. It had reached a, uh, a very loud volume of, of yelling, and I thought I was speaking very calmly. But I was speaking very calmly at a very high decibel level. It was almost as if there were a wind blowing. And that wind was confusion and fear, and it made me yell, and I became oblivious to the tone and the feelings that were spilling out of my mouth, and they were hurting another, and they made the child learner cry because of my screaming and yelling at the student driver. You are not doing it right! Do you see it? It's all context. It's what you're up against. And now, with the background noise gone, things seem more immediate, don't they? I'm right here with you, friend. I liked it better when we were together somewhere, and I was sort of not really having to con- Listen to me. You don't have to concentrate directly on what I'm saying. Oh, my goodness, that's why I like to go places together with you. And that's the wonderful thing about telling stories. I thought you didn't tell stories, Hardy. Let me tell you a story about why I don't tell stories. And because I feel like they're dangerous lies. Even when you say I'm about to tell you a lie, it's a sort of manipulative one, isn't it? Say, so, oh, that was, what lie did you just tell me? I just told you uh, ordinary people with Maritown and Moore. How's that a lie? I don't know, man. I'm just saying that uh, things, even if they're fiction, they can have the same effect. As something that is not fiction. Therefore, you have the same uh, culpability. So if I should tell you a story and say, well, I'm just, the characters in here are fictional. And then I rip your heart out of your uh, chest. I destroy your feelings. I, I, I trigger all these bad things until and, and you're, you're screaming in existential uh, agony. And then I say, well, it's just a, but it was just a movie. Oh, my goodness, the places we can go. Just using our nervous system. Hi, I'm Hardy White. How would you like to learn some tricks to do different things with your nervous system? One, this is, the e this is just an easy one. Is get some, a, some nice hand lotion. It smells nice. You just rub that on there. What a treat. And then because your hands get so dry, especially some seasons and everything. And if you're like me, and uh, I'm grabbing a lot of stones, I'm only grabbing stones, that will dry out and rough up your hands. And so, why are you grabbing stones? Well, I'm trying to make my own stone city. I have learned in the course of my life that if you're not going to do something dramatic, like be a star of your own television show, then what you have to do is do something where you are the master of time. What do you mean? So what you do is you, let's say, you say instead of being a, a big famous person, I'm going to spend 30 years stacking little stones together into huts or something. And then at the end of that time, people go, oh my God, who would do such a thing? But the, the thing over time is impressive, isn't it? You go, well, that's almost as good. So the person who glues bottle caps on 32 vintage cars is sort of the moral equivalent of Mary Tyler Moore. So how can I be? She didn't do that. She was doing other stuff. But imagine that every if, if every moment of just she spent being Mary Tyler Moore, she spent gluing a bottle cap on a car, a, what, a fleet of folk art 
masterpieces. Because you really can't go wrong. Once you have the thing covered, it's wow. Because it's the technique that is really impressive. You know, if you just do one thing like that, build a tower and don't stop. And you will get in the newspaper. That's the way to do it. Now, what if you don't want to do that? What if you don't want to be a celebrity and you don't want to stack stones or you don't want to glue things or there's other, f hey, folk art doesn't end there. You know, you can put a lot of gum on something. Like, oh, that's, well, that's unintentional. That's bubble gum or chewing gum rock in uh, Stone Mountain, Georgia. It, oh, that's not a cursed place or anything. Look at that abomination. This is a place, uh, not only do they have like Confederate uh, war criminals carved into the rock, which is like, why would you do that? Talk about graffiti. Then they got a rock that's nothing but um, chewing gum that's been stuck on there for hundreds of years. And then, and then they have, then they have rock called smear your feces, you smear your feces on there, and then you write something ignorant in it. I don't know, but that doesn't seem like that doesn't seem like a legacy I want. I go around just moving rocks around. I don't carve things in them, and I don't think they should be carved into giant heads. That's not fair to anybody. It's so scary. And uh, oh, and a lot of times in fantasy, I think in Lord of the Rings, you say, "Oh, these giant statues and everything." That's frightening to people. And I believe you run the risk of accidentally making some sort of golem. Could you imagine if the Teddy Roosevelt face and Mount Rushmore went around disembodied at night, that big stone causing trouble? Because you had to make a likeness. I don't know. I just don't do it, and it's not for me. And you can put anybody you want up there, and that's your business, I guess. It is and it isn't. So, bless you. Oh, my goodness. I know how difficult it is to be a human being. And I know there's so many choices. One of them is wretched. So, I don't, you know, I understand, kind of. But, oh, please be good to one another. And be of open, open heart and sugary. I say open heart sugary, I always say, because that's a misreading of open heart surgery. But then I realized, hey, that's kind of appealing. Sugary, nobody likes sweet. I think there's a bit of a taboo about being sweet or kind or gentle because it's, uh, it's equated with vulnerability. And it's also equated with insincerity, you know. Oh, you're being so phony sweet or nobody's that nice or not that kind of thing or a naivete and I don't know that that's that's uh, that's rough isn't it because <laughs> it'd be really nice if everybody was sweet and gentle I can't think of a downside I've thought about it well you know there would be what would be because we'd all be that way well that's impossible well it is because of you I guess because you're saying that I, now we know who'd be the one who doesn't want to be sweet? I'm just saying. It does seem to be like that's a he who smelt a dealt situation. You can always, all the person who chimes in for, for negative human nature is usually the person, I guess, who knows thyself the best. Yes, humans are, all, are capable of awful things. Well, they really are. But, you know, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to dream if there's a, uh, a dream stinker upper. In the way, that's why it's a good solitary thing. I dream the world. I don't have to tell anybody that I have dreamed a world that's that beautiful or compassionate or silly. I don't have to tell a soul, and they won't tell me I'm naive or I'm dumb or I'm wrecking it. I'm making it. You're making it worse by trying to make it better. Oh, I don't need to hear that. I have my dreams, and I'll just bump around the world trying to not uh, harm. I'm finding it. It's not super easy but trying to harm on purpose just cutting that out it's just like cutting out I, I cut out my daily cheesecake and you'd be surprised how much weight I'm not gaining anymore it's that kind of thing so it doesn't solve all your problems but it doesn't make them worse and so am I a less angry person than I uh, was yes yes I am am I I don't know I'm always trying to take it out on anybody, though. That's the worst, isn't it? My own, take your own anger at yourself. 
and then you aim it out at other people. And I thought, well, let's not aim it at anybody, me, me or others. I'll just, uh, you know, well, you need anger. Yes, absolutely. It's just, it's sauce, though. It's not the main course. Don't be chugging out of the anger bottle. That's gross. Just use it to put on something. It's a means of getting somewhere. And then you move on. And you, you have something that doesn't have a bunch of sauce on it. But, uh, yeah, we need things. Doesn't mean that we need a steady diet of it all the time. All our emotions are useful. Mr. Rogers taught us that. Say, hey, it's okay to be angry. Perpetually? All the time? No, I don't think he said that. And it was okay to be sad. Sad? Like always sad? Like, no, no. I guess, uh, what's it okay to be all the time? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. That's up for you to, to think. Um, the, hmm, what's it okay to be? Uh... Just chilling, I go or something. I don't know. Just uh, being. It's all right to be being all the time. And there's so many ways to be. Hey, friends, I realize that no matter what age you are, you might be interested in changing careers. I've got some ideas for you. Don't. That's one. That's the easiest route. You don't have to go back to school. You don't have to uh, research anything. You don't have to make contacts you don't have to fill out a resume or anything well how will i make money well you could do all oh, it's all sorts of ways to make money just find some way to steal that isn't literally stealing and then you're there you go and i think that that's how you do it well what do you mean hardy well you know so many of my successful friends feel imposter syndrome so if you feel like that that you know being compensated is is stealing then just go ahead and think that and then uh, clearly there are, they are not prosecuting for getting really high salaries for some things. So don't worry about it. And go ahead and steal all you want like that. That's what I say. Now, the other kind where you, you know, you, the one that you think maybe they'd, they'd come after you for, don't do those. Don't pull all the copper pipes out of somebody's house or their copper teeth. I'm glad I don't have copper teeth. I wouldn't take a nap anywhere. What are gold teeth? Dang! I don't have gold t teeth either. Or platinum anything? I'm trying to think now. Hmm. I was thinking of having a toe that was made of something very valuable. Like what? I don't know. Maybe tanzanite? Is that real? I don't know. I don't know either. A diamond toe? That'd be fun. I wouldn't want to go to one of those places that has a glass floor that's very high up, an observatory thing, like like the CN Tower or something, and then I got my, I'm out there, I slip off my shoes, I've got my diamond toe, and accidentally cut a big hole in the glass, and somebody falls, I don't know who it was, bless her heart, I'm sorry, that could happen, so I gotta be, you gotta be so careful and look out for one another. I'm listening to the radio right now, the old-fashioned way where somebody would sit there and tell me the weather, the weather right now. What is it? Oh, look to the sky. It looks like there's some clouds partly cloudy. It is partly cloudy. What is the traffic? Traffic right now? It's the way it always is, the way it always is, the way it always will be. What about the news? You don't want to know. You don't want to know what's going on right now. Let me take you somewhere else. Let me take you inside. I think it's time to play inside. What do you mean by that? Inside your head and your dreams. Let's go together. I would like to give you the ancient secrets that have been revealed to me by the long dead masters and mistresses. What is that? Could that be right? It is, I don't know, of this ancient school of knowledge that will teach you how to control your dreams. First of all, you're going to need a couple things. One is pajamas or pajamas. Now, the pajamas are not for what you think they are. Aren't they for sleeping in? Not necessarily. The pajamas are, you're going to put those on at different times of the day as you do different things. So you might, let's say, I'm going to go, I'm going to hit, one, uh, what's your local grocery store? Publix, Kroger, one of those? No. Save, like, pick and save it, pick and wipe. 
Go in the pick and wipe. Go in your jammies. Go in the pajamas. Why is that? Now, we're trying to condition the brain to get very confused about what's reality and what's not reality. So also you're going to be going nude to a school. Now that might be problematic because a lot of times in the dream, no one is there calling the police. But that is probably a scenario that's going to happen in the real life exercise when I take you to a local school naked and I ask you to walk in there with your book saying, I'm not ready, I'm not ready for the test. Then they probably come and get you. But maybe we could speed off quickly before that there's all, and there's a bunch of other things we're going to do um, that makes you, I'm going to push you off of a building. And um, then you, what you do, then when, when you're dreaming, see, you'll just have one mode of behavior for waking life and dreaming life, and they won't get confused. And then you can control them. Oh, explore your fantasies. I personally don't have any. Um, I find it very difficult to concentrate on things that I want. And so I really go, what are your fantasies? I don't want to, are you embarrassed? or No, I would tell you anything and everything. I just don't, there's nothing there. I don't imagine, the things I imagine are not things I imagine, are not rational things. So I don't even know what to, to tell you. I don't know what that means. I don't, a lot of times the things, I'm not in the things I imagine. You know, so if there's like a planet blowing up, I'm probably not in that one. If I had a TV series, I wouldn't be in them all and be called the Hardy White Show and go, he's not in them all. I know, isn't that funny? That's part of it. That's part of the thing is the Hardy White. I won't pitch that. Should I be on? Hey, I think I should be on television. <laughs> People that say that. I don't think that. And now that I know myself better, I think, no. Now I know I shouldn't be on radio, but it's too late. So I've kind of went all in. And... uh but what, whatever, we got here. And what do, you say, what do you mean you shouldn't be on radio? What does that mean? I just mean this. I mean sometimes what we want might be a distraction from what we need. What do you mean? Well, let's say that uh, maybe you're sharing something that you don't have enough of to share. And that's why I feel like a lot. And it's not that I'm trying to hoard. I'm just, sometimes I think, you know, I need my jokes. You know, I need my jokes. And here I am. And I'm just, I'm giving a lot of them away. And what else do I need? I need my sort of idle speculation. I need my philosophical. People say the ramblings. I don't. If they were ramblings, why do I have all these diagrams? If they're ramblings, why can't why can't I prove them mathematically? I can't. I can't. I I might be able to. I hate selling myself short like that. I've always been taught to believe in myself by people who believe in fairies and gods. And so I thought, well, I guess that means lower the standards for what is real. And I believe in myself over the objections of reality because, hey, you know, who's going to come and audit my thoughts if I don't let them in? Yes. Uh, I'm here to inspect your internal life. No, thank you. You're going to need to leave. I'm going to be as hostile to you as, a, as an uninformed person would be, uh, rural, probably, to a census worker. We'll have none of your kind, one of you Jaspers. Uh, be gone. So uh, that's the way I feel. And then I can, in my mind. Now, I do let things in unaccompanied, ideas and everything. I want to change and learn. My, my brain is not sealed off. There's just some things. I, what's a good analogy? There's a screen door or something, so the fresh air comes in but not flies. Hmm, like a pet door, a pet door that's just just the size of beneficial ideas, but it keeps out all the intruding thoughts like your opinion, my opinion, I know, not you, not you, oh my God, we're good, I love and appreciate you, you I mean, yeah you, I'm just a person, please be gentle. 
I think, you know, if I was being, I can't even imagine. I'm, one, I'm treated so wonderfully. I really am. For somebody on a lot of times, you know, you see uh, people that maybe speak uh, on television or radio. They might have people, oh, I hate that one. Well, I never, no one never bothers to tell me that. It's wonderful. Thank you so much. But I think it's the lack of compensation. I think, well, you know, I mean, it is free. Right. It's free. No one's getting paid. So really what damage is being done? And, uh, what are, you know, nothing is uh, expected, perhaps. And isn't that great? So it's like, I listen to me, it's like just going through a garbage pile or something like that. You might find something cool. There's no, but nobody promises you, oh, you got to go to the garbage pile, you're going to get rich. No, no, you know, it's your choice. You pick through it, you might find something you need. One man's treasure, it's another one's not treasure. Can you imagine that spending your life? You got a treasure map, you go to the ends of the world, you rent a boat, you get off the boat, you get on the island, you dig it up, you get a Oh, there's a treasure chest. You open it up, and it's it's an old meat grinder or something. Just what you wanted. I would have dreams of uh, of acquiring antiques for a period of my life. This is the worst. Isn't that the worst? Just there's nothing more like materialistic, but also bourgeois, than to imagine like. <gasps> Look at this old phonograph that I found or something like that. That's what was going on. Look at this music box. And I would have dreams like that and I would be getting these things. I guess they would be in an attic. I bought this house and I had no idea. But look, it's an, it's an antique treasure trove. And then you'd wake up and you'd go, oh, none of those things are mine. But who cares, really? Those sort of dreams interest me for a while. I thought, why don't I used to have them? I don't have them anymore. I think for obvious reasons, that's not my, you know, that doesn't excite me as much. But um, it, they told me something, maybe, about the the feeling of uh, of of having or or owning and and that feeling afterwards of that thing that I love not being there anymore, as opposed to a person. And it got me thinking, and those are the things I think about when people are speaking to me instead of their words. So that's okay, though, isn't it? Oh, bless you. I do so much better here than in conversation. I'm glad you think this is something. Oh, have you heard this guy? Oh, well, wait. You're lucky you're not sitting next to me somewhere. Ugh, imagine what my friends go through. Can you imagine being Hardy White's, having to hang out with Hardy White? You know, constantly, you know, you getting any, you want any more snacks? I made some snacks. You want any more? I cut up some apple and then I squeeze some lemon juice on the apple slices so that it won't brown. Like that, I say it, and everybody is happy. But that would be terrible. We could, oh, we'd have fun, though, I imagine. I do very uh, ordinary things that I find enjoyable. My thing, my biggest turn on is not having responsibility. That is, ooh, it feels so good. It To me, it's like running naked in a field. It's like, do you need me for anything? No. Ah, la, 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 la. It feels real nice. Do you, if I just sit here, will I be arrested? No. Ah, la, pa, pa. is there food? Yeah. Oh, I'm not leaving. My dog has gotten very old, and uh, bless his heart, his name is Orwell, and he's a beagle, and he's got a very pointy nose. He's all beagle, but he's just, he would never win any beagle shows or anything. And um, he's never been taught to do anything usefully beagle-ish. Uh, but he used to be playful when he was younger. He used to like to play and hang out and be petted or something. And now he is in his senescence. And he's getting around pretty well. He's been, he's got over a, a paralysis. He had wiped out on the ice and lost control of his back legs and got him back. He went through a therapy in a, in a, a hyperbaric chamber to get the feeling back and everything. And, he, and I don't know if he could feel him, but he can walk and everything. It's pretty amazing. But he's very old and he's kind of cranky. And he just is interested in food and water. Nothing else. Nothing else really sleep and warmth i think and that's it he's kind of good name i mean you know he'll look at you 
Like, is there food? But uh, that's it. That's what we're down to. It's just those those pleasures. And I, oh, you old dog. I relate. Look at your cloudy little eyes. Looks like somebody's put milk in blueberry juice. And you're looking up at me all hazy. And you're going, I still, I smell bacon. I go, there's no bacon, buddy. I don't know what you smell, but it's my cologne, I guess. It's Tom Ford um, sizzling butt or something like that, it's called. And it does have a bacon. There is, it does smell like bacon. I made that up. That isn't it. And we'll, Tom Ford's going to call me. Is you, how did you get some sizzling butt? It's not out yet. I got connections. Oh, and you know I like fragrances. You know I like nice smells and intriguing ones. Oh, and we can have those when we cook. And when we cook your, the things that you've grown. That'd be so nice when I come to your house. We're going to, I don't care. No, I don't really want to play Frisbee. But I will sit, I'll sit here and watch you. How about that? And I'll have that. I'm going to take you up on that cherry soda that you were talking about, though. And you go off. Why don't you go off and, and do things? And I will sit here and uh, I'm going to have a, I'm going to be on my phone. But not in a rude way. I'm just probably use it to watch old television shows. Why are you doing that when there's such beautiful scenery here out in the country? I know, but I like that sometimes for me, it's the juxtaposition. You know that. What is poetry? It's contrast. So a poem is something like, um, you know, we, uh, I remember the uh, Pittsburgh, late Pittsburgh poet Gerald Stern. And he was, I was going to a reading of his a long time ago. And, and he read um, a poem, and it started out funny, and it ended tragically. And my friends and I always called this structure, uh, and I don't mean any disrespect by this, this is, this is literally what was in the poem, but it was, we called it Fart Fart Holocaust, which is that you, you, um, you know, the funny, absurd uh, realness of life and then you, you, you finish with, with a tragedy uh, that cannot be uh, explained or understood um, and uh, unspeakable horror. And uh, we thought, well, that is really, that's poetry right there. Like it, whether you like it or don't like it, there you go. You shove things together. And by taking two different things, you use them as lenses to see a third thing. And that third thing could be a big wad of garbage or it could be something enlightening. You don't know. But <clears throat> we don't blame poetry always, do we? Yes. We don't uh, blame the technique. Um, you know, it's what you use it for, like a song. A wonderful song can be an annoying earworm or it can be something that you have Played at your funeral, which and it could be the same thing. Oh, that's the ultimate revenge is you just sit there, spend the last few years of your life thinking about how can I torture my survivors with a mere melody, just something that's going to never, ever get out of their head. And they're going to be singing it in their sleep. And um, there you go. I, I don't know if that's, does that feel hostile? Does that... I don't uh, want to do something like that. I want my legacy to be more gentle. Oh, we'll be listening to you when you're long gone, Hardy. Are you sure? I don't know about long gone. You might listen, be listening to me when I'm just gone. I imagine right after I'm gone, there'll be an intense spike of listening, and then it'll probably just die off very gradually. Unless they make some weird fictional version of my life and I get briefly popular again, and then it, uh, it fades off again. But oh, those are posthumous. That doesn't give me any excitement. I don't, you don't get invited to a lot of parties posthumously. And I'm looking to get the good table at a, at a restaurant. And that's mainly for the living. And so you want to get, you want to be well known probably during your lifetime. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh, cash in on that. I know a lot of you are sleeping on your talents and saying, oh, nobody wants to see a 68-year-old tap dance. Well, 
I don't know. It depends. You know, you let's. Uh, let, we, it depends. I think somebody would give you money. Maybe once, but we'll see. We'll see. I want to be. I'm going to start a talent agency, and it's going to work like this. I sign you up. I come to you, and then we figure out what your talent is, and then we get you work. That seems like a lot of work. It won't. We're not going to teach you anything. Well, what if I don't have a talent? Everyone has something that someone can be tricked into thinking is a talent. So I think that's true. Uh, don't underestimate your ability to fool other people with effortlessly. So I don't want to be a, a charlatan. You probably won't be. You'll just imagine yourself one. I'm trying to get rid of this in my friends. I don't want them to all think they're entitled, but goodness, the opposite side of the coin isn't, I'm a fraud. My word, no, 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 no. There's some, isn't there some sort of happy middle between I am, I am your king and, uh, you know, I am worth nothing? Uh, the rabbis say to keep this thought in your head pocket at the same time. The world was created for my sake. I am but dust and ashes. And how do you reconcile those two things? Well, the people, whoever created the world is very low standards, evidently. If it was created for your sake and you're just dust and ashes, I guess dust and ashes is something a little different here than I'm used to because I thought that was something lowly. But in this world, apparently, that's the reason for being. So dust and ashes, big deal here. Also, my favorite 50s film. Is it? I don't know if that is a real thing, but I like to think so. You are beautiful. Do you need to hear it? Not physically. Not necessarily physically. Emotionally, spiritually, not necessarily. I don't know. I'm just saying, listen, it doesn't hurt to hear it. It doesn't have to be true. And uh, you can just say it to yourself. You are alone the most beautiful person in the room. Nobody can top that. So, and it's not a competition. And you should get, yeah, because like, you know, no, one's, no one really is winning. And looks, what are they? What is beauty? It's so fleeting. Oh, my goodness. It really is. Really, go out, just go out and smash a flower right now. And you'll see. It doesn't take much and doesn't take long. Oh, the be I tell what, what, what is important then and what is lasting? I'm showing you right now. I'm showing you what is lasting. But you're not doing anything. There's no pattern to it. Isn't the pattern lasting? Isn't there something that's, that's permanent? Hardy, can't you tell me anything? What about your show? What's it about? Why are you speaking? Why do they keep letting you? If it doesn't, if it's not really going anywhere, it's not about anything. I don't understand. Well, I'll tell you something. Because it is, in its way, in its lack of profundity, profound. How's that? I think what we need sometimes is permission to be reckless. There is such a control and such a fear of being seen as incompetent, of being seen as corny, as being seen as um, uh, naive, not good at something like that, you know, and uh, or, or guessing wrong or, or, or outside the mainstream or or making bad shows, just, that stuff just isn't funny, or something like that, or that's not, there's all this pressure, it makes you not want to do things, it makes you not want to make anything, but I'm telling you, you can be so much sloppier than you have been told, you are capable of coloring outside of the lines, and you should, you should color so far outside of the lines, you can't see the line, take the line, Tear it up. First of all, just tear up the coloring book. Oh, what have we done? Tape the coloring book back together. This is going to look good, though. Tape it back together. Now, color outside the lines. Tear it up again. This time, tape it back together with your eyes closed. And there you have something beautiful. And that is something that we discourage people from doing. And you'll see that. I remember when I was a, a little kid, I was doing art in... Maybe I was first grade, second grade, something like that. 
we were making something, and I spilled some glue on my drawing. And I was very kind of upset about it at first. And then I started, like, wiping it and smearing it. And it started blending in with the chalk or something, and I was making this gluey, colorful thing, and I smeared it all over the paper, and I was like, oh, my gosh, my art isn't ruined. It actually looks really cool now. And I showed it to the teacher, and the teacher said, that's not what you were told to do. It's ruined. And I thought, oh, my gosh. I guess art has nothing to do with uh, my perception. Now, I'm not one that says, you know, disregard all rules or, you know, everything is great or everything works or it's all, if the artist thinks it's great, it is or something like that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that it's very strange how much invention is discouraged. Like, even if it wasn't great, wouldn't you tell the little kid, hey, that's certainly one way of, uh, you know, avoiding the L here, you know, you had a spill, you made the best of it. It's kind of a, you know, uh, you got peanut butter in my chocolate situation. I mean, that's not genius to everybody. Some people would go, oh, that sounds repulsive. But to others, it's like, oh, no, it's candy genius. Maybe it isn't candy genius. So that's the thing. It's the invention. It's messing up. I want to be known as somebody who, who just m messed up or something. No, that's not it. What is it? I want to be, what did Hardy White do? Oh, um, whatever he wanted. No, that doesn't sound right, dude. That's not where I'm coming from. I guess, what did Hardy White do? Didn't plan. No, I plan sometimes. I think sometimes. Sometimes I don't think. That's the thing. You know, I'm always thinking about talking to you, and I'm always thinking about what it means to communicate with somebody, and none of this is compartmentalized for me. The, the, the Miracle Nutrition show never ceases. It is my ongoing exploration of communication. So even when it's terrible and somebody said, boy, I heard this thing and it wasn't good. And that, even that counts. It all counts. It's all part of it. I mean, I saw this, uh, this Mary Tyler Moore documentary and I know you've mentioned her a couple times. Well, I didn't know it was coming out and I had been just watching a lot of her work anyway. So I think that's kind of remarkable. Then it came out and I fill, it filled in a lot of blanks in her life for me and I thought oh goodness you know life is hard as the uh, eels say and um, it was it was it was something to something to think about and I saw did I see parallels in my own life I saw parallel yes it was just about scale I have disappointments nothing on the scale that she had I've had losses but nothing on the scale of the losses that uh, she experienced in her uh, life of 80 years, so that was all very en enlightening to me. Things come with um, all sorts of extras that we're unaware of, and it's um, sometimes so invisible, and when we meet one another, we don't really know who we're meeting. We meet some beat everybody at a uh, that's just a cross section you know of this long thing that's their life we're seeing a slice and it's impossible to tell completely where they were and where they're going and even if it's when it's wrapped up you go I don't I don't really know what just happened I still just saw little slices of it so when I see Mary Tyler Moore's life it's like here's a slice from the beginning slice from the middle slice from the the whole loaf will never, ever be available to me. I will never perceive it. Oh, the entire loaf, the big time loaf, the big uh, Taylor time ham, as I've said before, of your life. And we're just frying up little bits of it. Oh, I'm glad we're doing it together. Are you? I am. Are you? I am.
was a little song I'm working on and um uh, calling it Elmer Doodoo because it was sounding really pretty and I was like, well, I got to throw something in there. And I thought I will create a character named Elmer Doodoo. And here's what I imagine about him. Nothing. Nothing yet. Completely blank slate. When I was a child, they had these books called the Nothing Book and there was nothing in them. And I thought, wow, that's either a brilliant idea or that's this is the end of everything. Can you imagine? We've become so lazy. Because they had they were starting to do those kind of serve yourself restaurants. So we don't, you know, and I will, uh, it will soon it will not be a restaurant. You're, you're, you're moving everything. So it's a book. It's a book, but you put the words in. Mmm. Mmm. Huh. Same with the restaurant. It's restaurant. You be, and there was one in my neighborhood where you cooked the food even. It burned down. What a surprise. But it was an indoor barbecue place. And you would get, they would give you the raw steak and you'd go over and you cook it. And uh, I said it burned down. After hours, though, so, hmm, that tells you something. Um, and uh, that cuts out everybody. What if it's just bring your own steaks? That's just called the park. And just charge people to be there. That's called taxes. So maybe we already have that. I don't know. But I like a little bit of things to be done for me. I don't want everything to have to be. And that's why radio, the, I, people say, I would, listen to you, I would listen to your show, Hardy, but I personally make me do so much work. I would like more done for me, like a lot of these podcasts about somebody being murdered or fun stuff, and they have little uh, sound effects, or or they'll explain things, you know, and we couldn't get hold of Mr. Rogers, and so we called this fellow, and everything like that, and they go, ah, ah, and um, that's interesting to us. Why don't you do that? Well, because you have that. So I'm doing something a little bit different as a way of not doing that, or having doing something with less effort. Now explain that. This is a very easy concept for me. And I was talking, I was just at a party the other day, and I was talking to friends and uh, a lot of them artists, some of them professional, some of them uh, are would like to be professional, but they have to supplement uh, their uh, music or art career or something with, uh, with a nine-to-fiver. And so all, all those kind of different people, and they were all different places in, the, in, that, uh, in that career. So we're talking about doing things and, and making things and the, the reason for doing them and all that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, and the amount of effort vis-a-vis uh, -vis the outcome, what you get, what you put in and what you, what you get. And I know a lot of people put a lot of effort into things they know not a lot of people are going to see, hopefully, their expectations are not there or anything. But, but I say, gosh, I couldn't do that. I think if I put, you know, if I spent a long time doing a thing, I'd want a lot of people to see it. And if they didn't, I'd be disappointed. So is there anything else you can do? And then I was trying to explain, and because I'm a proponent of doing things half, my British friends would say half arsed, but with half of your arse. And uh, which half, that's up to you. I thought that confused me ordering half a toppings on pizza one time. It's like, it's left or right. It's like, well, <laughs> just half and the other half. I don't know, whatever you want to call them. A and B. So it doesn't have to be left and right. I know they move around. So the sa same with your, your, your buttocks. Whatever half of it you're going to use to do the, to do the thing. But not everything has to be 100% effort. This, and we used to do that all the time on the, play music on the, on the porch or something. And it was always low expectations for how it was going to sound or anything. Nobody was there hearing it. And uh, there's all sorts of art that you can make that not everybody has to see it or it doesn't have to be uh, sold or you can, you can sell. I like to take children's art and then try to sell it um, without them knowing. And a lot of times they'll just throw it away. Parents will just throw it away. Years of children's art and really all it needs to be is matted and then somebody will pay money for it. A lot of it's good. And then you just have to say an animal did it. That's why a lot of, I'll take your four-year-olds, five-year-olds drawing, okay? I crop the name off. I say my, my, my monkey or my raccoon or something did it. And I get a little bit of money. I get a little bit of money. You gotta, you gotta take, you gotta put a, like a, attach a Polaroid of the animal. But the animal doesn't have to be in the middle of painting. There can be just something else. People aren't gonna say anything. So the one the dog did, I just had the dog sitting there. 
And they were like, oh, that's the dog that did it? And I went, yeah. That's the artist. $15. It goes to dog food. That's not a lie. So that's not a lie. And, um, and that's a way to make art. I don't mind. I'll s selling art's great. Even like I said, this isn't stolen art, you know, because once something hits the dumpster, that's fair game, I think. Isn't it? Oh, I'm, a lot of what I say is just fooling. You know that. You know, I know that car trips are long. Listen, you got to get through the city. I know you're driving in. If, listen, if you're driving in New York or, or New Jersey right now, I understand. Boy, I love you so much. I just want to embrace you. I'm trying to uh, just kill the time for you. Wouldn't a song be better? Oh, come on. You hear that all the time. Especially if you're driving Uber or something. Don't you want to, isn't it slightly more satisfying and passive aggressive to have me on like that really kind of quite loudly? And so they're like, play, and people that would be begging for credence or something. Go, no, I will continue to play Hardy White. Because I enjoy the sound of his voice, and he inspires me. Oh, thank you. Yes, he gives me courage that it's okay to have an open heart and to, to be kind and, and, and to, uh, to desire that and to be a proponent of love and to think that uh, human beings can be better and more thoughtful and compassionate and that it's fear that's the enemy. Oh, fear. I fear it itself. So I thank you for having me on as you drive or as you cook. Because there's nobody who is beaming good thoughts or hopes for you than me. There's nobody who's beaming more good thoughts. Did I say that correctly? Sometimes if I take a dramatic pause, my grammar suffers. Does she? Yeah. Go, Dad, stop. You know I meant grammar, not Grammy. She's, she doesn't care about grammar. She's from New Jersey. I love you so much, friend. And what are you doing? What am I doing? I am, you are listening to Miracle Nutrition on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County. And New York City, New York, online, WFMU.org, worldwide, freeform radio. Can you imagine that? You never know what you're going to get. They didn't have, back in the day, I would have spoken for a few seconds and then played the popular record by the shoes or something like that. But now, I don't even, and he's not interviewing anybody. I love this. This is why we love WFMU. I just, uh, my, what I, well, there's nobody like you. Because it's not a thing. It isn't, nobody would do it. Why would anybody, why would any other radio station have this? It doesn't make any sense. It only is, uh, for me, it seems like only, it's contextual. And so it just, I, we belong together. Uh, Hardy White and WFMU. Because we have similar sensibilities. Sensibilitiesness, and I love that. It's a lack of sensibilities, or something like that. And we both are wonderfully, equally deficient that way. Yet I think that's a wonderful way to be. You adventure like that. We're the people that, uh, uh, you know, that swim the English Channel nude, with uh, with weights around our our waist, instead of the whatever the conventional way is. And you say, well, it'd be faster and easier, and you wouldn't all sink and die. But that's half the fun. Oh, thank you so much for being with me, and I'll see you again next week.
was Ebony. Her name was Mahogany. Twins name 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 was Ebony. Changing world. I'm gonna love you just the same. Better than playing any game. 